0: It's time for Government Gone Wild, a no-holds-barred podcast dissecting the most controversial topics in the news right now. Edgy, fast-paced, and with a bit of humor, conservative libertarian host Kristen Tate digs beyond the headlines and beyond party politics to illuminate the issues people care about, the ones career politicians in D.C. just don't understand. Each week, Kristen hosts real people from diverse backgrounds and perspectives to engage in feisty debates and discussions. And now, your host, Kristen Tate. Hello, my beautiful snowflakes. <laughs> How are you guys doing this week? I hope you are doing swimmingly as I am. You guys are gonna lose it when you hear who my guest is this week. I am so pumped up about this episode. But first, before we get into that, I want to make sure that each and every person listening right now is subscribed to this podcast, because that's the only way you can make sure you won't miss future episodes. So if you're not subscribed, pause this right now, go to iTunes and hit subscribe. It's free. All right, moving on. Today, I want to talk about diversity within the conservative and libertarian movements. Now, Democrats will have you believe that they are the de facto party for anyone who is not a white, straight male. They think that they have the right to the female vote, the black vote, the Hispanic vote. But, you know, as a young libertarian myself, I have noticed increasingly a large number of diverse young people exploring the ideas of limited government and and warming up to those ideas and I find that very encouraging yet that's not the, the narrative that the left and the media would would have you believe if you are anything other than a straight white male the left will make you feel like a traitor to your own people if you are not a liberal and as a young libertarian woman, I've experienced this firsthand. I'll give you an example. There was a girl I used to be really good friends with in high school. You know, I used to go to her house after school. We'd do homework. We had a great group of friends. But, you know, we, we went to college in different cities, and our lives kind of drifted apart. Anyways, uh, I had been out of college for a couple of years, and uh, I was going back to my hometown for some holiday. I think it was Christmas. And I thought, hey, I have not heard from this girl in years. I'm going to find her on Facebook and reach out to her to see if she wants to get together for a coffee to catch up. So I find her on Facebook. I send her a message. I, I just said something like, hey, you know, in long time, no see. Let's get together. Within 10 minutes, I got a vile and hostile response. I'll read you guys the first few lines of the message. I still have it saved after all these years. She goes, Wow, really? I can't even believe you contacting me. Yeah, typo. She's not the brightest crayon in the box. I've never seen... I've seen your bigoted posts, and I can't ever believe you would say some of the things you say publicly. I thought I used to know you, but clearly not. And then she goes on and on. I would keep going, but I don't want to bore you guys to death. You get the point. I mean... My goodness, this woman who I had not spoken to in years saw some Facebook articles I had shared about like lowering taxes. And I think I had one about immigration and she sends me this, throws away an entire friendship over this. Oh, but, oh, I remember the the point of this. The reason I wanted to read it to you is because a few lines down, if you keep going, she goes, as a woman, we need to have each other's backs, not tear each other down and turn our backs on each other. I shouldn't have to explain to you why your views you're advocating are the antithesis of sisterhood. Wow. Okay. So there she goes. She's assuming that because I'm a woman and I'm not a liberal, that somehow I'm, quote, turning my back on other women. And mind you, I hadn't made any posts. I never make any posts about abortion or any women's issues. This is how hostile these people are. Uh, But despite the hostility, I've got to tell you guys that I am optimistic because young, diverse people are increasingly seeing how smaller government is better for everyone. And I've seen that firsthand. And my guest today is one of those people. On paper, anyone would think that he's liberal. He's gay. He comes from a background that looks like a traditional liberal background. His family is in the arts, but he is a a Republican. Not only that, he is actually a White House correspondent. Trump has done a lot of things that I, I don't like, like the budget. I hated the budget. I'm very upset about their failure to get tax reform through so far. Same with healthcare reform. But one thing that I really loved that his administration did early on was they announced that they would be expanding the number of outlets allowed in the White House press briefing room. And that's great because we need more voices in there and we need more balance in there. And uh, my guest today is a white house correspondent for one of these newly admitted outlets all right guys so this week i am so excited to have lucian wintrich with me on the program he's been like everywhere this last year he's currently the white house correspondent for the gateway pundit which is kind of like a right-leaning really cool blog news agency i'm on there every day they break a lot of really important stories um, Lucian, you are like the left's worst nightmare because <laughs> you're an artist. I mean, I first I first uh, found out about you from your art project. For all the listeners out there who are unaware, Lucian, before he joined the Gateway Pundit, did this amazing project called Twinks for Trump. <laughs> and yes, it is as amazing as it sounds. He took these artsy photographs of young men who were like, shirtless and or naked wearing (laughs) Make America Great Again hats. I saw that and I thought this is the most amazing thing I have ever seen. The right needs more of this. And I think the reason why you are the left's worst nightmare is because on paper, you're everything that a liberal should be. You know, you come from kind of like this liberal arts, left-leaning background of like artists. You went to Bard College, which is, of course, a bastion of the left. Yet you're one of Trump's most vocal supporters. You work for the Gateway Pundit, so I gotta ask you. I mean, how did you become a conservative? How did you fall into all of this?
1: I mean, I, I will say originally being being surrounded, especially in college at Bard, by by such a weird faction of the left, where they they refuse to take uh, any other ideas that that don't fit into their narrative into account. They they don't analyze their own way of thinking or or conclusions that they've drawn. Um, it was it was the first time I'd ever really seen that in my life. I mean, I was uh, actually one of the real turning points. I was very good friends with this girl, Margaret, uh, at Bard. And, you know, it's very popular to, to be an atheist, liberal or progressive uh, uh, activist type of character there. And we were at a party together. She, everybody uh, always loved her. Um, she was uh, this uh, beautiful girl from uh, Louisville, Kentucky, and during this this one particular party, she mentioned that she was agnostic, and they were like, "Oh my God, you're agnostic? That's so stupid! How, how could you believe that something might exist?" And uh, so, first of all, that shocked me, uh, just the closed-mindedness, and then obviously to to say. Uh, to take the position that God doesn't exist is taking an infinitely stronger position than agnosticism, right?
0: Sure. Wait, hold on. Uh, just to, just to clarify here, you're saying ooh. that they were shocked that she considered there may be a God at all. Like yeah,
1: that, yeah, that they were, notion shocked that, them. That set the, <laughs> it, it, it triggered them. They were furious Jeez. at her and they, they started uh, calling her names, ranting at her, they said, oh, you must be a conser." It's funny how some of these things go hand in hand. But uh, they, they said, oh, you must be a conservative, too. And she said, well, I'm, I'm uh, relatively libertarian. They were like, so you don't believe that we should be looking out for the poor? <laughs> and <laughs> um, it was just – it was one of the most mind-boggling things. And it, it, The entire hypocrisy of the left, I think, during that, that one event uh, came to light with me, and I – the very next semester, uh, I re-registered all my classes in uh, political science and uh, theology, actually. And because um, I wanted to I wanted to understand both viewpoints. And I realized the more I read from the right. And obviously, the vast majority of reading that we were assigned at Bard was from the left. Very, very left progressive thinking. Um, but the, and so I was always being bombarded with that and and swallowing that up. But when I actually started reading material from the right I realized that like this ideology this this um I mean <laughs> the free market every every component of it makes significantly more sense. I think it's it's infinitely more intelligent and I think the le- one of the left's techniques has been to uh discount conservatives as unintelligent in the hopes that people won't actually go and do the reading. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah absolutely I've noticed the same exact thing like The the left is so into this, like, pseudo-intellectual movement. But when you really ask them about the issues, at least among young liberals, they really don't have a lot to say. So that's fascinating. Did you grow up in a political household? I mean, what what are your parents' ideologies? Uh,
1: My father came here when he was younger. My my father's side of the family actually uh, came here fleeing uh, Nazi-occupied Poland. And then, and then, By the way, occupied Poland, or uh, when the government switched from, um, yeah, switched into socialism after after they finally got rid of uh, the Nazis. And so, I you know, with with socialism, uh, the family members that I had there were also killed because they were part of the old government. All of their bank accounts were seized, so it was just a nightmare in Europe for my family for a while. I'm very fortunate that my my father uh, was able to get out early. But it's funny, though. So he he was uh, in Europe from a very educated, um, sort of aristocratic household. He, unfortunately, I, I don't think my father really cares about politics, but he's very blindly liberal, which okay. is, I think, a, a trait of many liberals. Um, if you don't really want to do the reading or if you're not interested in politics and you want to seem interesting or engaged, you'll say you're liberal. So, like, my, my dad, he'll watch John Oliver uh, once a week, right? And... He'll call me up and say, "I can't believe that um, X, Y, and Z," and you believe this, and I was like, "Okay, well, you're you're repeating John Oliver's monologue, and let me like correct that for you."
0: So you actually did not grow up in a conservative household at all no, in fact no. <laughs> you, you actively disagree with your parents that that is really interesting to me because i grew up in a household where my dad was kind of like more right-leaning and i think that really shaped my political ideology but it says a lot about you that you grew up in a household that completely well not completely necessarily but but in some ways contradicts your worldview now and you proactively shaped your own worldview based on your experiences and, you know, your, what you've kind of seen happen
1: around I mean, you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if we're just, if we blindly consume the media and then base our political, uh, or then come up with a politically, a political ideology off of that or whatever, uh, culture dictates, like, uh, to be honest, not to trash my... Although, you know, I, I, my father did call me an idiot this Christmas for being a conservative. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I just, I think that, that it's such a... Certain people on the left, they 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 do such shallow reading, such shallow research. And the only reason that they're uh, clinging to the left and saying, yes, I'm, I'm am i I'm a progressive. I'm, I want to be a socialist is because it's, it's like they consider it to be the popular thing to do. And it's just so transparent. And to me, it's so sad because they, I don't know, it's, it's incredibly clear to me that they have no idea what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you lived in New York city for many years. I live in New York city. Uh, we're both millennials Most of my friends are like rabid Bernie supporters, and you're absolutely right. It's kind of like a trendy thing, but they they really don't know anything about the issues. Um, So I I just, for all of our listeners out there, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lucian, but from what I understand, you had another job that was not in politics, and you released this Twinks for Trump photo collection. And just for the folks listening, this is not like, you know, shitty Facebook pictures. These were like high-quality, very artistic (laughs) photos. Everyone needs to check them out. They are, like, shocking yet amazing. And, (laughs) like, you've never seen anything like these. And you actually got fired for this, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was uh, very, very unexpected. I, while I was uh, exhibiting, I exhibited the photos at the RNC, right? So that was sort of my premiere, which was also amazing. Milo spoke out, uh, spoke in front of them, gave a speech in front of them. Uh, Geert Wielders from uh, the Netherlands spoke in front sure. of them. Cam, Pam Geller. And I, I got back to New York maybe a week later. Uh, I, by the way, I had just netted the company um, a quarter million dollars in two months, which wow. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, May I was ask raised... what
0: industry, the company, I mean, this was a non-political so, company, right, right?
1: I was, I was in advertising. I was okay, a uh, okay. digital strategist and creative at a uh, top five ad firm.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
1: And I, I had always been under the, uh, persuasion that if you're a profitable employee, if you're a good employee, you're not going to get fired. <laughs> Right. Which I mean, that's logical. That's,
0: I mean, that's what yeah. you would hope.
1: <laughs> I mean, I was I was making significantly more money than my salary was worth for the company I was working for. That's an ideal employee. So, I got back a week later. Uh, I was asked to do a couple of interviews where I did openly talk about my support for Trump. I didn't say anything incendiary or anything, but sure. I I said, listen, if we have two candidates here. Trump is absolutely better for gay people. He's better for every American. Uh, here are my reasons why. A day after I did uh, a few of those interviews, Milo uh, mentioned me in one of his articles. He called me a fellow cultural warrior. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Which is
0: like a badge of honor for like, was- <laughs> anyone, anyone young on the right. I mean, like that's great.
1: It was uh, a very proud moment for me. And I want to say an hour and a half after Milo wrote that article and I, I uh, tweeted it out, my boss called me up. And he said, you know, uh, Lucian, we think you'd be happier in a different line of work. Wow. And yeah, I mean, I was, I was shocked. I'm still shocked. Cause this guy, I, I considered a friend. He said the decision came from the partners, like people who own this m- massive ad firm. So they, they would have never known about, uh, I don't know. My, I mean, my theory was that actually what, what I've even been told happened later on was that, uh, liberals started bombarding, Uh, they knew where I worked because it wasn't secret at the time, they started bombarding them with phone calls and emails saying, oh, do you know you have uh, this Trump supporter working for you, isn't that disgusting? And I mean, that led led to them letting me go, which is just ridiculous. And I will say, uh, I am so much happier in this line of work than I was there.
0: So anyways, you go on to work for the Gateway Pundit, you're now their White House correspondent. And I feel like I have been, like, living vicariously through your social media accounts. Like, okay, for all the listeners out there, long before Lucian knew who I was, I was, like, hanging on to every word on his Twitter because I was so fascinated by the fact that Trump... It is now allowing these new media outlets into the press room, which I, I was so happy about that. So tell me, in, in a nutshell, I know you deal with a lot of different things every day, but, like, what has your experience been like in the press room? How do the other journalists treat you there?
1: Yeah, I mean, the establishment journalists there absolutely hate us. It's—I uh, <laughs> it's. it's I mean, I was—what uh, is it? How accosted... do you know they
0: hate you? Like, tell me about how they well,
1: act towards you and, and what they them... do. One of them grabbed me by the arm and started screaming that I was a Nazi to all the other reporters. He said, uh, this guy, he, uh, Lucian Wintrich, he writes for the Gateway Pundit. They're anti-Jew, anti-Black, anti-Hispanic. That
0: made the news. I remember seeing And, that.
1: <laughs> and Well, I mean, little did he know, if he was a good journalist, if he did even the smallest bit of research on me. Uh, so I was asked after that. They were like, OK, are you anti-Jew, anti-Black, anti-Hispanic? And I was like, yeah. My half my family is Jewish. Uh, My boyfriend's Hispanic. Well, Colombian. I don't know if that counts, but I'm going to call it. That counts.
0: That counts.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and I was like, yeah. And literally the night before, I was partying with a bunch of um, black gay uh, Republican (laughs) friends from the log cabin. uh, Meanwhile, this journalist
0: guy is probably like a white limousine liberal. (laughs) He Probably doesn't have any ethnic friends at all.
1: He's this, I, absolutely not. I mean, he, he's what, I, I want to say a guy, a guy in the mid-50s with a haircut out of the 1980s, <laughs> um, who's, who seriously, since day one, if you listen to John Decker's questions, all he does is try to berate, nothing original, he berates the administration with the same tired uh, progressive talking points.
0: Yeah, no, that's what they all do. I mean, it, it's crazy. So, okay, that happened. That was one horrifying incident. What happens to you on a day-to-day basis? Like, do they kind of ostracize you, these other journalists? What's it like yeah, being I, one I, of these, like, populist, <laughs> insurgent new journalists in the it's, press room?
1: It's a, uh, I would say, a surreal experience because you have people who, I think, in, in normal life, in just reality, you've, like, Frumpy people, dandruff on their <laughs> shitty uh, Jose Banks suits, um, and and Panasonic uh, voice rec- uh, recorders from the early two thousands, who are bump intentionally bumping into me, giving me mean looks, and it's like <laughs> getting like, dandruff
0: like, on your damn outfit. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's very weird. It's a very surreal universe because in any other in any other room, these people would be the buffoons. And I still see them in this room as the buffoons. I mean, the questions they ask, the nonsense they try to pull with this administration, continuously undermining it, it is painfully silly to watch. And yet they think they're more legitimate than uh, new media journalists.
0: Yeah, it's it's so true. Do they know who you are? Like, all of them know who you are, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they're... These, the snarky cartel in there. They're on a, a text message chain together and an email chain together oh and a few gosh. other. Yeah, so they're all they're all coordinating questions, and you can watch them in the cameras too. They're coordinating questions to harp on during those pressers, and so when one question's asked, um, some of the follow ups they'll text like, "Yo, uh, April." Ask this.
0: Wow. And then,
1: yeah. So it's a, it's a nasty little. Uh, wow, click. that
0: is like a cartel. So so, do you guys ever get called on? And by you guys, I mean, you know, the alternative media. Do you ever get chances to ask questions?
1: We we do. I I don't know. I had three very good questions uh, since I've been there. What a lot of people do, which I'm avoiding doing. Is and what also what a lot of the establishment press does, I think, is they will literally, they'll keep throwing their hand up, they'll ask a question just to get their voice in there, just to sure. like be on camera right, and, right. and run with their agenda. Um, to me, that's a, that's a waste of everybody's time. And a lot of these press conferences end up being huge waste of time yes. because these, these idiots don't shut up and they don't allow uh, new questions. To enter in they
0: ask the um, same question over and over again it's over just like and over. they word it differently
1: i mean it's 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 really uh ridiculous uh which is why by the way uh sean started having occasional gaggles just because to, when the cameras are off and they're actually then they actually tend to ask questions and then right. additional things can be reported on um because again it, right now we're it's somewhat of a reality show with all the cameras we have like five sure. networks it's it has the highest ratings out of any daytime TV show right, absolutely <laughs> absolutely so, I mean they all they all want to run with their with their very childish ideas about collusions with Russia and interference and oh, is, was Kobe getting too close to it? Is that why he was fired? <laughs>
0: But I keep watching these press briefings because, like you said, they're very entertaining. Sean Spicer is good at answering the same question in different ways, and it keeps me very entertained. And I like watching him shoot down the buffoons. But please, for the love of God, keep doing what you're doing. The few of you guys who are there for the alternative media are representing like 50 percent of the country and how we really feel i want to shift gears here a little bit like i said in the beginning of the interview you're pretty much everything that the left thinks that they own you're Mm. you're young you're gay tell me what it's like being a gay republican because the left thinks you don't exist
1: (laughs) i mean you know i i get uh, a lot of accusations of um of at first they were, oh, he's an Uncle Tom, he's a traitor. Right. It's, I mean, at first those have, I, I've gotten so desensitized to them. I, I just think it's ridiculous because, first of all, there's a certain form of bigotry to assume that just because you're a certain uh, gender or of a certain sexual orientation or of a certain race that you have to think a certain way and vote a certain way. To me, that is, again, it's, it's so blindsidedly bigoted and, and awful. Uh, and it assumes a very specific internal way of thinking on, on just other human beings. It's, I don't know. I mean, and that's, again, it's, it's a big way that the left thinks, which I, which I think is, uh, despicable. And so then what have they, what have they been, uh, uh I've also been called, uh, anti-gay by okay,
0: by by the left.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's purely by the left that okay. I'm, I'm homophobic and anti-gay. Yeah, because that is, makes
0: a lot of sense. It's just very
1: funny, <laughs> and so I mean that's that's another funny thing to to laugh off. And then um, another thing they love throwing around with people on the right is, oh well, he he must be a, a white supremacist if he's a Republican. And so again, <laughs> well, we all get that. To, Lucian. We all get that. <laughs> you have to you have to turn to them and be like, okay, so what exactly about me? Uh, makes you think that I'm a white supremacist.
0: Well, you support Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. That makes you comment. a white supremacist. They
1: say, you support Donald Trump. And it's like, okay, and then what about Donald Trump, even remotely to you, it seems like he's a way, I mean, he, the guy was on uh, Home Alone 2. <laughs> what about him as white supremacist? And they say, oh, well, he, he wants all Mexicans out of the country. And it's like, no, he wants tougher uh, regulations on illegals coming right. into the country. right. And none of them know this. I mean, they've read Huffington Post headlines, and it's, it's like, sad to me because I, I think they're functioning – I I can't get – I can't fully get mad at them because I think that they do believe a they're lot not, of the nonsense they intention. read in the Huffington Post.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, okay, you and I are totally on the same page with the left. The left sucks. But I want to talk about the right because I – I am very concerned about the future of the Republican Party. I'm a libertarian. I actually am very kind of like liberal when it comes to social issues. What has the reaction been towards you from the establishment right? Because in my mind, those folks are actually worse than the liberals. Because we expect this stuff from the liberals. But like the establishment right is so unwilling to bring anyone into the party Who's not, you know, like exactly like them, you know? What what's been the reaction towards you and what you're doing from those folks?
1: I mean, I think we're sort of starting our own establishment, so to speak. Uh, certainly, okay, right now, uh, especially with younger generations who are so sick of um, of the left and PC culture and these these obviously false narratives that aren't even funny. It, like, so at least uh, I. The right's more entertaining. I think you'll admit that, right? <laughs> um, so if you if you have younger generations of conservatives coming in, which we're actively pulling for, I mean, it is it's young people like us, I think, and and everybody else who's involved, who are are uh, yeah, pulling younger generations in. I think older people in the party see that. Early early on, probably back in August, September, when, with my uh, photos and a uh, sc- uh, scurry of interviews, there would be the occasional evangelical, Christian right, like, right. woman, typically like <laughs> they typically always middle-aged women, evangelical, middle-aged women in I don't want to say the Midwest, because I love the Midwest. but the okay, Bible there's, belt. There's, yeah, there's a, certain, there's a very specific type. Okay, and they, they'd attack me in, in comments or wherever else, and they'd say, oh, how is he, you can't be gay in a conservative, or you, uh, uh, he, he's disgusting, why, why would we support him? And all those commenters and all those people who've written articles to that effect, I noticed something incredible happening mm-hmm. where all these other floods of comments would come in from mm-hmm. younger conservatives and older conservatives and libertarians saying to those people, you don't belong in this party. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty incredible to watch. And I, I do think Trump really did help pave the way for that. I mean, Ted Cruz definitely wouldn't have.
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I agree with you there. So this leads me to my next question, which is, do you think that the GOP should change its stance on social issues, specifically on, like, gay marriage? I mean, do you think that they have an outdated platform?
1: I really, I really... Um, could give, personally give a shit about gay marriage. I will say, from a relative, uh, I think, actual libertarian conservative standpoint, if the government is in charge of contracts, you can't uh, you can't pick and choose who gets contracts. Sure. That's that's to me un-American. The thing with gay marriage, it it did pass. I don't think gay people or you really have anything to be concerned about. And I I really think that that was really the last social issue, the last big social issue that the left and the right were fighting about. So now that that's water under the bridge.
0: The thing that concerns me is I don't think it is water under the bridge. Like, I see a relatively large percentage of the party, specifically the folks who are well-meaning, who live in the Bible Belt, like, whatever. They see that, and abortion, and the drug wars as such a big deal, and they harp on these issues. And to me, that is impeding the party from expanding the tent. Could be wrong there. See, what's,
1: what's funny is I, I also could personally give a shit about abortion. But Look, I, don't, I, don't I don't care
0: either. But <laughs> I don't want the party talking about it because it alienates a ton of young people who would otherwise be conservatives. But they hear this stuff coming from these, like, old church ladies and it makes them terrified of the Republican brand.
1: And, I mean, I will say the drug war also uh, that was really perpetuated under the Clinton administration and did lead to the marginaliz- uh, marginalization of many minorities and low-income families um, and lack of police in those communities and lack of resources. Absolutely. So terrible, terrible policy. With yeah, with abortion, gay marriage, uh, some of these social issues, or social non-issues, to be honest, I do think we should, we should really just wash our hands of that at this point. Um, When you pull younger conservatives, they couldn't care less about that. A lot of them support support the left stances on specifically social issues, and then what the left does, though, to try to and then they hate the left for everything else.
0: Right, Um, but the left puts these issues on pedestals. And that's well, how they keep winning elections. Like, if you ask my dumb, dumb friends in New York City who love Bernie Sanders, all they know about is abortion. They can't tell you oh, anything yeah. about taxes or, or anything about fiscal issues. They just talk about women's right to choose and evil banks. That's all they know. <laughs> it, it's I'm terrified about the future of the Republican Party. I, I think you're spot on. I think these are non-issues, and I wish they would stop harping on them. Anyways, Lucian, I know you're a busy guy. I just want to ask you before we wrap up here, um, if you had to rate Trump, give him a grade. How do you think he's done so far?
1: I would say uh, in terms of, I think a lot of our shared ideology, I'd give him an A+. Wow. And let me me tell you why. If a lot of his, uh, and if you actually read through his 100-day plan, which I thought uh, I agreed with 95% of it, so I'd give the 100-day policy in A or 100-day plan an A. He really, really very unfortunately didn't implement nearly any of it. So such being said, as as a liberty-minded conservative, I would prefer a completely ineffective government that does not expand it, that is cutting down budgets and cutting down staff, as we've seen, than a government uh, that is expanding uh, regulation, expa- expanding policy. Um, And and pulling in more taxpayer funding, which is what Hillary was proposing. So if you look at it that way, it's if Trump did nothing, literally nothing except for occasionally fire people for the next four years um, and ideally also uh, what was just proposed today, uh, cutting down on a lot of these governmental costs to save taxpayers money during the briefing today, uh, then that to me would be absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Hillary would have been a disaster. In my opinion, that would have been the beginning of the end. Having said that, I'm not as optimistic as you. I give Trump like a B minus. I loved his plans, but I'm disappointed with the the lack of action. I thought the budget was a slap in the face to conservatives. He increased funding for nearly everything that we hate. Didn't include funding for the wall. But you know what? I'm going to give him the benefit of of the doubt. Well, I don't, I
1: don't understand why the Democrats, even though they're at a minority right now, still think that they can dictate everything. Well, they, they
0: can. They can. They just did with the budget. I mean, look, we didn't get anything. I don't see how that I budget mean, was a win at all for conservatives. It's
1: It's, yeah, it's, an, it's really infuriating. And, uh, you know, I think I think uh, what this administration is also, another reason I'll give it an A, is it is helping to expose all the rhinos and neocons that we have in the federal government who keep uh, butting heads with this administration and um, and working with the left, working with the opposition to to maintain this uh, the size and scope and and range of uh, of our current. I don't know. It's it's highly. Fr- I mean, you see, I'm getting frazzled now. It's highly frustrating <laughs> the the entire thing.
0: It's very frustrating. I just I just pray that Trump does not become too influenced by those rhinos and i mean people like paul ryan people like even Priebus, jared kushner i i hope to god that he tries to at least follow through on some of his promises i'll be happy if he just lowers the corporate tax rate i don't even care that much about the wall i just want to decrease spending a little bit we'll see what happens and i i thank you and and these other new journalists who are in the press room because You guys are our only hope for, like, really finding out what's going on in D.C., so thank you for doing what you do. Uh, Tell all the listeners how they can follow you online.
1: Uh, Yeah, Twitter's perfect. Uh, My Twitter is Lucian, or at Lucian Wintrich, L-U-C-I-A-N-W-I-N-T-R-I-C-H, and, uh, Check out the Gateway Pundit if you haven't already. Yeah, the
0: Gateway Pundit's amazing. You guys break a lot of stories that are, like, unusual that you can't find anywhere else. Also, follow Lucian on Instagram. He has a very visually appealing Instagram. <laughs> Tell them what your Instagram is because I follow yeah. you, but I don't remember
1: it's, Um, same, same as my Twitter.
0: Okay, Lucian Wintrich. Yeah. yeah. All right, awesome. Thank you so much, Lucian, for joining me. I know you're super busy. And uh, for the love of God, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs>
1: yeah, thank you. Have a great night.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Lucian. And once again, make sure you go on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Now, you don't want to miss next week because I will be debating with a far-left individual. So that's going to be a fun one. And also... Uh, please check me out on Patreon. On patreon.com, I have an account where you can uh, donate any amount of money you would like, whether it's, you know, $2 or $10 to help me keep this podcast running. I do this because I love it, and anything you can give to help me keep the lights on would be much appreciated. Thank you so much, guys, and I will see you next week.